A good near Shabbos to our friends and members of the West Mount Shul. We're very excited about this coming Shabbos. It's not only Parshas Mishpatim, but we will read a second Sefer Torah as we begin the, the four special Shabbatot. We'll be reading Parshas Shkolim, and we'll be benching Rosh Chodesh Ador. So we'd love to see everybody in Shul. We're also going to be celebrating... Earl's amazing birthday. Earl Friedman is turning 80 years old. And there'll be a nice kiddish. So I'm sure Earl would love to get your good wishes celebrating his birthday. So let's uh, let's discuss a little bit about this special uh, Parsha, Parshas Mishpatim. Let me ask you a Jewish trivia question. We know the we are told Last week, when the Jewish people received the Torah, they received the Torah in the morning. Okay? And then after they received the Torah, Hashem told the Jewish people, Moshe, you could tell them to go home and celebrate. What did they do that night? What did they do that night is the question. One thing I know for sure they did not do, they did not watch the Super Bowl because there was no Super Bowl yet. Okay, so what did they do on that night of receiving the Torah in the earlier morning? The Medrash says, in the evening they were given the laws of this Parsha Mishpatim. Okay, that's what happened. So after that glorious moment of Mamish, nearly a face-to-face revelation of Hashem to the Jewish people, a national revelation. So what did they do? They learned Parshas Mishpatim. It talks about the laws of an Eved Ivri, a Jew who steals and has to be sold into servitude to pay off his debt, the laws of an ox who damages, and all kinds of civil laws. So the Beis Yisrael, the Ger Rebbe, asks a number of questions. He asks, after such a lofty day in the morning where Mamish miracles upon miracles were showered upon the Jewish people, what do you think should be the first in-depth things people are learning about? You figure it would be something lofty like Shabbos or deep secrets of the Torah. Why are they learning about the mundane civil law between people? That is... The first question. Second question, when you look at properly run day schools or yeshiva ketanas, when we expose a young boy to Gemara learning, what's the first Gemara we learn? The first Gemara we learn, one of the first Gemaras is Elamitsios, finding lost objects and returning them. Or some learn Hakoinis Son Ladir, the law of damages that animals that you own make. Why do we start with that? Why don't we start with the laws of brachos, something that's more relevant? And the third question, we'll see something so unique in this week's Parsha, where there's a rehash of events prior to the giving of the Torah from last week. And in the rehash, we hear the golden words of the Jewish people, we will do and we will listen. And the question is, 
why didn't we put that part of the story in last week's Parshas Yisro, Nasev and Ishma? Why are we waiting for Parshas Mishpatim? Those are the three questions. And we'll answer the last question first. The base Yisrael says, to say Nasev and Ishma, we will do and we will listen. Well, if you say that, for mitzvahs between man and God, that's still not that amazing. Because when we say Nasev and Nishma by Hashem, but when is it really important to Hashem? When we say we will do and we will listen, not only what Hashem tells us regarding our relationship with Hashem, but when it deals with our relationships with other people. If I'm very concerned of my relationship with others, if I, if I watch my ox not to damage someone else, if I make sure a pit that I dig, that no one should fall into it, or if I light a fire in my property and I'm careful that it doesn't spread, then we can really say that a person is acting according to the desires of Hashem. And that's a true na'asev inishma. To say, listen, between me and you, God, I'll do whatever you say. But until Hashem hears that you're going to do whatever I want between you and other Jews, and that's why Nasev and Nishma, the Torah waits for after the Mishpatim are given to say, to bring us the Nasev and Nishma. And the question is why? Why is that so important? So let's give an example of one of these mitzvahs and you'll begin to hear what the issue is. We know that a Kohen has to be very particular about the pedigree of the woman that he marries. He just can't marry anyone. He can't marry a divorcee. He can't marry certain people. And uh, so he has to be very careful who he marries. But let's say, as we find in the first story of this week's Parsha, of an Evan Ivri. Let's say I have a Kohen who's a very uh, uh, well-groomed uh, and pedigreed Kohen, very important person, but he has a weak moment and he steals someone's money. Okay. Let's say he was, you know, having financial issues. Let's say he didn't, got, didn't get a lot of truma from, uh, from his friends. And uh, he was really suffering from not having money. And out of poverty, he just went to, uh, to steal. And he figured that would cover the costs. However, he got caught. And he got caught and he doesn't have the money to pay back. So what's the situation? He has to be sold as a servant to pay off his debts. Now imagine the coin who had a very lofty, prestigious bearing and title all of a sudden now is a servant to another person you can imagine the pain and disgrace but he has to pay back the money that he stole but the torch not enough we know that if he's there the master can force him to marry a canaanite maid servant and he says now this is your wife the coin looks at him and says, this is my wife. Are you normal? I'm a Kohen. I can't even marry a Jewish divorcee. And even if she has all the virtues in the world, I can't marry her. And now you're giving me a Canaanite maidservant? 
which is obviously, since when can, can you marry a non-Jewish woman? But that's what the Torah says. He has no choice. He has to listen to the master. They live together. They have children. They all become servants to the master. And at the end, when it's time for him to leave and he's paid off his debt, and he gets used to the woman, and he's used to the kids, and, you know, he 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 had uh, meals with them, Shabbos meals, seders with them. And the Torah says when the servitude is over, the wife and the children belong to the master, and the Jewish servant goes away, alone, without them. Asks many rabbis, including Reb Chaim Zaychik, he says, isn't the pain of servitude enough that we gave the fellow? Why do we, so to speak, add insult to injury to give him more pain? That now you created, you forced upon him a relationship that he gets used to after many years. And now he's separated from them. And the answer is, we have to realize, when you steal money from somebody, you think the issue is basically, I stole money. And I'll pay it back. And when I pay it back, the item, the issue is resolved. But the Torah is very sensitive to another aspect. And that's called collateral damage. That when you do something, you have to realize there's more than just what the action you did creates. It also, it's not just I took money away and he's missing the money. There's all kinds of collateral damage. Let me give you an example. Let's say you you steal $10,000 from somebody. So the guy comes home. He tells his wife, you know, this guy robbed me for $10,000. So the wife is, can very well say, he says, how is it possible you let a guy steal with the money from you? Why didn't you have it secure? What are you doing going around the street with $10,000? How could you leave all that money in your purse? And all of a sudden gets an argument between the husband and wife. And all of a sudden, and he starts answering her. And all of a sudden, she slams the door. And they're not talking to each other. Okay? And then what happens when the kids uh, start making, being acting like kids? Now the father going to start yelling at the kids. And when they yell at the kids, and then the kids, you know, feel, oh, my parents don't like me. And then they, you know, uh, don't get excited about learning Torah. And they start uh, going in the streets. And now there's stress and there's tensions. And then the wife blames the husband. The husband blames the wife. You don't know how to raise the kids, etc., etc., etc. But it could very well be that all that collateral damage and more came from that one activity of stealing the money. We could give all kinds of scenarios of, of you know, why when you damage someone else, that it's not just that thing itself. So the Torah says to the thief, you think you stole and now you paid your debt and the story's over. No, no, no. You need kapara. You need atonement also for the collateral damage that came from what you did. And you created all kinds of shalom bias issues. And now I'm going to create for you to feel and be sensitive to what you do beyond the act that you stole the money. So what's going to happen, we're going to lower your prestige and esteem and now you're going to have to marry a woman that you don't want and you caused problems with other people's children 
So now we're going to create problems for you and your children, that they're going to be servants forever. And you will now know what it feels like to have issues of family relations that you did not ask for and you didn't bargain for and you have to suffer with. And it's that idea that Hashem is telling a person, think before you do something. Realize that when you're doing something that's wrong, it's not just that one thing. There's all kinds of collateral damages that manifest, and you have to think about that. And since you didn't think about that, you deserve some kind of punishment and atonement for that as well. And the next time you want to steal, think it's not just the money. Okay, I'll pay the money back after I go to jail. But no, all the harm you've caused the family. Let's say you light a fire in your backyard. You have to realize that if you're not careful with the fire, it can go beyond, it can burn somebody's house down. And now that person, it's not just paying back the person. Can you imagine the trauma of having your house burned down? You buy a, a horse. You buy a dog nowadays. And the dog is a bit uh, violent. Take care that it doesn't hurt others. It's not cute. Not everybody wants your dog bothering other people. Or if your dog bites somebody, the trauma someone would have from this. All issues that come from a lack of forethought or just not caring. Let's say a person just says something, a comment that could hurt someone's feelings. You didn't think about it. You say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know what? That's not good enough. You never know. You've all insulted somebody. What's that going to do to that person's self-esteem? And therefore, the Torah is selling us. You know when Nasev and Nishma is important? You do things against Hashem. Hashem, so to speak, is thick-skinned. And you're not going to... There's not that much collateral damage. The damage is what you did. You didn't listen to the king. And you created spiritual damage in the spiritual worlds. But that's where it ends. With human beings, it's like a domino effect. And so many things can happen. And only when you say Nasa Vinishbam are willing to even worry about all the collateral ideas and, and care about other Jews to such an extent, then Hashem says, now that's a real Nasa Vinishma. We are hearing in the news about how the mayor of Toronto is resigning over misbehavior that he did. Now, we're not here to judge the mayor. He says he's going to resign, although he hasn't resigned yet. But a simple question should be asked. What were you thinking when you were involved with that staffer? Were you thinking that, you know, was it right? Was it not right? You can say, well, my Yetzirah got a hold of me. It was during COVID and, you know, I, I, I was separated from my wife and I had to work so hard and nobody was giving me any love and the staffer and it was just whatever. But, you know, so there, there's the action that's wrong. But what about the collateral damage? What about your wife? What about your kids? And even, what about the city? You ran for re-election knowing you did this misdeed 
And I guess I guess he figured he'd hide it, but then the story appears that it's gonna would have leaked out. But what were you thinking? The collateral damage we're doing to the city. You've been given supreme powers by the premier as a mayor of a big city. And now you're working on a budget, which is really important. And you're very intimately involved with the budget. And from what I understand, uh, he is a reasonable person. He's not, you know, a lefty, so to speak. And who knows if the money is going to now be allocated in a proper way. And now there's a whole bachlekes, what are we going to do? Who knows how this is going to end up? But you realize the collateral damage, it's not just to your wife, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I was with the staffer. So now let's go on. And what about your children? And what are those people who elected you and worked for you? And all these things. But I guess his parents never said Nasa Vinishma in Harsinai. They don't understand. Society itself doesn't understand the penal system that we have. And when people steal and all these things, we don't worry in the, in the second world about collateral damage. There's no idea of having the, the perpetrator realize and feel how terrible it is. Just locking him up in jail doesn't do that. The Torah wants us to understand that if you are an observant Jew and you're keeping the Torah and you're a light unto nations, you think before you do something and you think about all the collateral damage that can happen. And the more esteemed a person is, the more elevated a person is, He'll be more successful in being careful of what he does and will always calculate, I'm about to do this. What will be the immediate result and what could be the collateral result? And the bottom line is, the last thing you want to do is to cause another person pain and suffering. So let's tell a story that Rav Zilber, may he live long, who's the Rosh Yeshiva, Yeshiva Derech Chachma, he mentioned in his youth when he was learning the Chavrusa with Rav Chaim Shmulevitz, the great uh, Magid, uh, the Mashkiach in Yeshiva of Mir. And he was learning with him the Chavrusa in Rav Chaim's home. And one of the Kolel fellows who was learning in Yeshiva's Mir comes in, knocks on the door, and he's brokenhearted. And why is he brokenhearted? His, um, he, he mentions his brother-in-law has a daughter, has one daughter. And his brother-in-law is a coy little fellow too. And they had a lot of trouble having children. For eight years, it was very difficult. And now his brother-in-law, and, the, and they had one daughter, and the daughter's a, 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 a young little girl. And never she caught a very terrible disease, type of a, a pneumonia or whatever type of disease. And uh, her life is in great danger. So please, Rebbe, you know, this, uh, what, what do we do? So Rebbe Chaim right away said, we're going to strengthen our learning. And in the merit of our learning, the child's have Ruhr but the call fellow broke down and cried and says, no, it's too late. She's going to die in moments. It's too late for a Shalema. 
And he's crying in front of Reb Chaim. So Reb Chaim thinks, and he says, you go over to your brother-in-law and tell him the following words in my name. Say the following. If a person has a lot of money and he wants to know what to do with the money, he has two possibilities. One possibility is to lend it to the poor people of the city. And he now has the ability to merit the mitzvah of chesed. On the other hand, there's a great danger because they may not pay him back. That's one option. Second option is he can leave the money with other rich people to be involved in business deal. And now there's a greater ability to think that the money will come back and they make a lot of money. But then there's also issues of ribis, of interest, and all other kinds of things. And he loses the mitzvah of chesed. But there's one thing you can invest in and be sure from every aspect that you will merit to have a mitzvah and you'll get ribis on top of ribis, which is allowed. And why? who is that with? With Hashem. When you invest with Hashem. Go tell your brother-in-law that Hashem gave you a daughter and now he's taking the daughter back. Hashem gave and Hashem takes. But if we invest with Hashem, you can be sure you'll get interest upon interest. What does this mean? Tell your brother-in-law, accept the decree with complete faith and don't complain and Hashem will give you compounded interest with children. These are the words to tell him. The Avrech, the Kol fellow, went right away to his brother-in-law to fulfill the shlichus of Reb Chaim. Once the door was closed and the Kol fellow left and Reb Chaim is alone with his student, Reb Zilber, Reb Chaim bursts out in tears over this tragedy. He's crying and crying and crying. Silber is watching. And he respectfully asks, Rebbe, why are you crying now? Why didn't you cry beforehand and commiserate in this color fellow's tears? So Reb Chaim said, I'll tell you. I could see this fellow was totally broken from all this suffering. And if he would see me crying and in pain, he'd get so emotionally carried away and he'd feel that if Reb Chaim is crying so much, it must be a sign that it's a terrible, terrible tragedy with no hope. And for these moments, I seize in enough pain, I shouldn't compound the pain. And instead, I gave him a bracha. But if I would cry, it would mean like it's totally hopeless. That's why I'm waited, but really it bothered me so much. I really wanted to cry now. Rip Silver thinks about this and says, what self-control Rip Chaim has. Rip Chaim, when he hears, he loves Jews so much, just hearing another Jew is suffering, especially a Jew in his own kolel would cause him to want to cry. And most people cannot control it. And how difficult it was for Abraham to hear such tragic events. 
that's happening to one of his closest Talmidim. And of course, it would be so, um, what would be, uh, it would be so um, uh, helpful, calming for Abraham to let out the pain. But he would not allow his feelings and emotions to make it worse for somebody else. He understood that it's not, even though I feel like crying and I want to cry and I can't, I can't stand seeing my, my student suffering, but I got to hold it back to give him strength. And that's what we call worrying about collateral damage. By the way, you probably want to know the PS to the story. Well, this Cullen fellow who had trouble having the one girl, he ended up having 10 children. This is what it's about, controlling your feelings and emotions and thoughts towards another person before you do anything. This is what Mishpatim is about. This is the first thing. When we were given the Torah, Hashem says, the most important thing I want you to do now. And thank God there were no Super Bowls, no other things to distract them. Is to know that being a Jew means you care so much about God's children. You're not going to do anything before you think, how will it affect other people? And the more you think about that, the greater person you are. Because that's what Judaism's about. It's not just not hurting other people directly. It's not just not stealing from them. But whatever you do, and as a matter of fact, even if it's something permitted, like for a prime to cry for another Jew, it was permitted. But if it will give some kind of collateral damage, we're worried about that. Sensitivity to others. It's the Jewish religion that brought that to the world. It's a challenge. We're all not perfect. But again, if the mayor would have had that type of Jewish understanding, for what? For the temporary pleasure of what he had? Look at all the collateral damage that he produced. So something to think about this Shabbos. Think about as we look back on the week. Have we ever by mistake created collateral damage? So when we go to ask people to say, I'm sorry, you now have a new aspect. When you do something to somebody, let's say you're not paying back a loan on time to somebody, not just to say, I'm sorry I haven't paid back the loan, but I'm sorry now you don't have the money, I've probably created so many more problems for you that I haven't considered. And I ask your apologies for that as well. And that would be a sincere apology. Not just like the mayor says, I did a behavior that is not up to the standards and I plan on resigning. Is that enough? Does that fix it all? What about all the people who voted for you and were counting on you to help them? And while you were running, people were making all those efforts to help you. This is Baruch Hashem, Shalom Asani Goy. Baruch Hashem, Shinosan Lonu Torres Emes. Baruch Hashem shehiv dilanu mina toim. You separated us from the rest of the world. And therefore, we don't get involved in uh, Facebook and Twitter and all these things where people make comments. They don't think of what the collateral damage is for what they do. Baruch Hashem, we have a Torah. Baruch Hashem, we have this guidance. Baruch Hashem, we have Nasa and Ishma. We know how to spend our nights. 
our nights to continue learning about more of how we interact and help other Jews. We should have an amazing Shabbos and again, an amazing celebration for Earl's birthday that's going to come very soon and to give him a, a bracha for Arichas Yomim V'Shonim Toivis and Nachas from his family, Nachas from our community until Mashiach comes from here of Yomenu. Amen. Thank you for listening.